parking lot. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Um, I want to honor my husband for this opportunity, who is also my pastor. <laughs> and I want to honor all of you beautiful, amazing, selfless mothers in the room. We honor you today. If you could go with me, we're going to be going to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to be reading from, I originally told the media um, 5 through 7, but we're going to start at verse 4. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thine soul, and with all thy might. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt take talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Lord, I thank you, God, for this opportunity to speak to these beautiful women of our church today, and I ask a special blessing to take place today, God. I thank you for every mother in the room. I thank you for every grandmother. I thank you for every adoptive mother and every mother that has lost a child, God. We thank you for them today, and we honor them, God, and I pray that you would bless the words that I'm going to speak today. I pray for an anointing, God, and most importantly, Lord, I pray that there would be a burden that would take place. Oh, in Jesus' name, we love you and we worship you. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we love you. We adore you. Hallelujah. You may take your seat, please. Today my subject is simply the power of multiplication. Who remembers the multiplication tables? We're going to play a little game really quick. <laughs> five times five equals... Woo! Three times eight. Good job. Seven times nine. Wow, see, y'all forgot it. <laughs> the repetition from all those years ago is why we can still recite them today with not much effort. Learning how to make and multiply disciples is also something we need to learn, and it doesn't happen automatically. God went through great lengths to instruct his children about instructing their children. The church was never intended to be an end in itself. Rather, it's called to reproduce and fulfill the great commission that is God-given, which is to make disciples. Thank you, Jesus. This statement is really where my whole message was. Um, I guess birthed is an appropriate word for Mother's Day. Um, but it was 
the power of multiplication, Mama, I sent this to my husband. It's not what we do for the kingdom, but who we raise. We are called to, um, we are called to make disciples, and those disciples just happen to call us mom. I want to share the history of the 57 cents. Hattie Mae was a six-year-old little girl who loved the Lord and lived near Grace Baptist Church in Philadelphia, USA. The Sunday school was small and very crowded. And one day, the minister came over to her and told her that one day they were going to have enough buildings to accommodate all the children. And she simply replied, I hope you will, because it's so crowded that I am afraid to go in there alone. And he replied, when we get enough money, we are going to have a building large enough for all the children to come in. Two years later, in 1886, Hattie Mae passed away. After the funeral, her mother went to the minister with a small little bag that she had found under Hattie Mae's pillow. And in that bag contained 57 cents and change that she had been saving. And with it, when he opened it up, was a little handwritten note in a six-year-old's writing that said, to help build bigger so that more children can go to Sunday school. The minister was so touched that he got a bigger vision and went, and he changed that 57 cents into pennies. And he then offered each one for sale. And in return, the church received $250 from the 54, from the 57 cents that were given back. That 250 itself was changed into pennies and then sold again. And in this way, the 57 cents kept multiplying. 26 years later, in a talk that was given entitled, the history of 57 cents, the minister, got, the minister got up and he then explained the results of the 57 cent donation. A church of a membership with over 5,600 people had been born, a hospital where tens and thousands of people had been treated, and 80,000 young people had went through university. 2,000 people were sent out to preach the gospel. And all of this happened because a six-year-old girl named Hattie Mae invested her 57 cents into the kingdom of God. The theme of multiplication runs throughout the Bible. What cannot be achieved by addition, God does by multiplication. <laughs> Amen. You will reap what you sow only many times over. What you give the Lord, he will multiply. Is there anyone in the room that believes that today. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Many Christians and churches will never reproduce themselves. The result is that they take their faith and their legacy with them to the grave. Nearly 4,000 churches close every year in North America. It's estimated that 70 to 80% of all evangelical churches in the U.S. have either stopped growing or on the decline. What does that mean? It simply means that the church in North America is not reproducing. 
we need to become a reproducing disciple-making movement once again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Discipleship costs us something, even for those of us like Pastor and myself that are called, so to say, to disciple others. It's not easy. We sacrifice our time, our energy, and our emotion in others if we are to fulfill the discipleship task of making disciples. And so this is the number one reason that churches no longer make disciples. We don't have time. It, it just takes too much time. But as we go to the word of the Lord, we find that Jesus was absolutely the perfect model of what it means to make and multiply disciples. He took 12 unschooled and ordinary men and turned them into world changers. Jesus led those men to be disciple makers in just three years. And Lord willing, we have 18, 18 years with our children. Some of you in this room today know that your children are called into ministry. But I feel in my spirit that you think you are under underqualified to teach them. So you're waiting. You are waiting for someone else to come along and do it, or you're waiting to send them off to Bible school so someone else can train them. But the New Testament model of discipleship, if we go back to the Bible, it was homegrown, it was natural, and it was organic. Discipleship is done in a relationship. Jesus spent face-to-face -face time with his disciples. They were friends. They did life together. And the same goes for discipling our children. It is done in intentional relationship. We must spend face-to-face -face time with them. And remembering whatever we teach or model for them will have little or no impact if it's not built upon a foundation of relationship modeled like Jesus. Given a choice, many of us would rather dig wells in a faraway country. We would rather go than keep up with our everyday tasks that are required of keeping at home. And if I'm telling the truth, I sometimes find myself valuing the ministry of serving the incredible people of Revival Tabernacle over the unseen ministry within the walls of my own home. Send me, Lord, as long as it's not to the unnoticed work of sowing truth within my own walls. And yet we wonder why our kids do not act or think like Christians without any authenticity, except for a few normalized moments here and there on a Wednesday or on a Sunday or a special event in the district. We have to recognize that our homes are a mission field equal to that of a remote land or culture. She she Jesus, God, give us a burden, Lord. Open our eyes. Open our hearts, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. If we go back in our text and we continue down, verses 8 and 9 say, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, 
and thou shalt be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. God's greatness, the cost he paid, and how our children see us respond through thankfulness and gratefulness is not automatically imprinted on the hearts of our families. They are made known in and through us by intentional praise and practice. If God blesses you, share it with your kids. If he heals a family member, tell them and ask them to thank the Lord with you. If they are teens and they are struggling and you have been where they are, share your testimony with them. Don't be prideful. Don't think, well, I don't want them to struggle the way I did. Be open and let them know, hey, I was there. How we choose to live at home, practice our faith as a family, and speak about the kingdom of God and those in it directly affects the knowledge of our children about our God and his ability to do all things. It's our job to recall his faithfulness with our children. Jesus gave himself away to his disciples by imparting to them everything that God had given to him. He gave himself freely. We need today to grasp the spiritual responsibility we have. And just as Jesus imparted himself to his disciples, we must seek to give ourselves to the little people in the room that call us mom. I'm not saying to sacrifice your time with the Lord. Include them. Let them see you reading your Bible or resting in his words that bring you life. Let them hear you calling their name and the names of others who you love in prayer. My parents were first-generational, what you call first-generational Pentecostals. And although they raised me on the church pews to the best of their ability, that alone is not what kept me. And it's not what opened the doors for me to serve in this uh, capacity of ministry that we now are blessed to serve in. I will tell you what it was. It was the prayers and the travailing of my mother, whom I honor today, and I can still remember waking up many nights to her wailing and interceding on behalf of our whole family. Seeing her encounters, I wanted to experience them for myself. And that opened up a door for me in the spirit realm. Like I said, my mother was a first-generational woman of God, but... She brought one of the most incredible, let me grab a tissue. Thank you. She brought one of the most incredible women of God into our home, not physically, but in the spirit, Sister Joy Haney. My mother had all of her books on the coffee table, and Joy Haney is a hero of the faith, but I also loved her very dearly. And I never knew, <laughs> as a little girl, hearing my mother speak her words and pray the prayers that she prayed because of that mighty woman of God, I never knew that I would have an opportunity to meet her, let alone call her friend. 
my mother's, um, she built such a confidence in my faith. And that's really my prayer today that we can build that confidence in our children to where when they come to us with a dream or a prayer that we don't just push it aside, but that we take it so seriously. I can remember going to my mom many times as a little girl, eight or nine, and telling her, I had a dream. What do you think it means? And she would say, I don't know, but I'm going to write it down. My mother loved to journal. And she always journaled um, everything she prayed. And so to see her journal my prayers <laughs> and my thoughts, it, it meant something to me. And it built such a faith in me. And her patience with me was so precious when it came to things of the Lord. So even on difficult days, never, ever forget that God has given you the incredible opportunity to impact another life for eternity. Not a single moment you spend as a mother is ever wasted. The time you invest in your children can multiply for generations to come. Amen. God has instructed us in his word to recount his faithfulness in every way possible with our children so that our future generations will remember to give God all the praise and the glory that he is worthy of. If you are a mom, you have no greater purpose in this life than to raise your children to know and love God. Jesus demonstrated how the disciples should live a God-centered life. One reason he had such a lasting impact on his disciples is that he simply lived out the message that he preached daily. He was the message and the method. By walking with Jesus, they saw how he lived out his faith in the real world. Our children are watching us. Jesus healed the sick. He had compassion for the multitude. He prayed before them. He fed the poor. In other words, the disciples saw him live a life that he wanted reproduced in them after Calvary. Let's be intentional on how we pray for our kids, provide them with a godly example, and encourage them in every way possible to grow in their own relationship with God. It's important that we practice what we preach because our children, whom we are training, will follow our life and example. It's not enough for them to hear us preach the gospel. They have to see us living it every day in the real world. Our personal walk with God is one of the most important factors in developing the next generation of godly leaders to ultimately live out God's purpose for their own lives. We will reproduce what we are. The most powerful calling is a life lived for God. Make sure that the life you live is worthy for others. I want to end with the verse, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in faith. And when, um, I'm going to end with one story. I promise not to cry anymore. <laughs> um, but when we got the call to come to North Dallas, I wanted my children to feel the weight of the call and what we were doing. Although they evangelized with us from the time they were all weeks old and getting on airplanes and traveling across the country, 
and they've always done ministry since birth, they haven't really ever had to carry a burden. And I know some of you might think, well, kids shouldn't really carry a burden, but I think that they should because I wanted my children to know that it wasn't just daddy that was called to North Dallas. It wasn't just mommy that was going to help him build a church where there had never been one. It was them. I told them one day on the drive home from their little school, I said, you realize what we're going to do? Yes, ma'am. And I said, you guys are called to North Dallas. And Daddy didn't get called before we had kids. We, you know, didn't get called after. I said, we got called right now. And so that means God has a purpose and a plan for you there. And so I went even further to tell them examples. You know, if you go, Lord willing, to Bible school, and you feel called to the missions field, or you feel called not to come back to Revival Tabernacle, I said, you're going to have to go to your daddy because he's your pastor now, and you're going to have to explain the shift that you feel for your own life. And in that conversation, my sweet middle child, Jet, (laughs) began to throw out other scenarios, you know, a why for what if he plays basketball or whatnot. And I just began saying the same thing. And it wasn't just one conversation. It was for weeks leading up to the move, telling them you're called to North Dallas. You're called to Revival Tabernacle. Never let anything pull you from here because I truly believe that they are called. And I truly believe that everyone in this room today and your children are called. And so if you could just follow suit and start encouraging your children, even if they're the 18-year-olds in the youth group and getting ready to go off in the real world. Let them know that they have a place because a lot of times kids want to go searching. Where do I belong? What can I do? And in that is where we lose our next generation. And so my burden is in letting my kids know that they are called. And so that's why you will see them ushering and serving the ministry because we truly believe that they are called to North Dallas. And so I would like to invite the mothers at this time up as I close in prayer and hand it back off to Pastor. If you could come forward, yes, please. Thank you, Jesus. You're so beautiful. I know I'm a mom of four. (laughs) I know the tiredness and the weariness that comes with the calling of motherhood. It's sacred and it's, I believe, holy ground. In Jesus' name, God, right now, if you could lift your hands. Oh, I pray supernatural strength, God. She she to fall in this room, God. Strength in their minds, God.
Oh, she, I pray strength in their physical beings, God, to take place right now, God. Oh, we worship you, your holy Jesus. I pray for divine wisdom and impartation to begin to take place, God, in every home. Oh, I pray for divine conversations to take place in the cars, God, and in our coming and in our going, Jesus. I pray a special anointing on these mothers, God. Oh, she, she, that they would transmit, God, your spirit to their children, to the next generation of children, God, that are being raised up in this church. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We need your wisdom and your strength, God. She, a robot, 